Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. This is Pint Glass Football, drink beer, talk NFL and college football. I'm your host, Brad Fowler, and McKenzie Brewing is the official beer of Pint Glass Football. Follow them at McKenzie Brewing. Follow us at pintglassfootball.com. If you're new to the show, hit that subscribe button. What's up, PGF Nation? We are back with another great show today, guys. DeAndre Hopkins is a Tennessee Titan. Running backs not getting paid this offseason. We'll discuss it. Apparently, there's 11 NFL teams with closing Super Bowl windows. We're going to have to talk about that as well and a lot more to get to. But joining me to break it all down, as always, my co-host, Alex Higdon. Alex, what is going on? It's finally here, Brad. Tomorrow, training camp opens. First, Our first training camp opens the New York Jets with rookies and veterans, not just rookies, rookies and veterans reporting tomorrow. We're finally here. By the time this episode drops, it will be here. So we record on Tuesdays, as a lot of you guys probably know. This episode drops on Thursday mornings for you guys. And we are going to be in the midst of training camps opening, Alex. I can't even believe it. Now, I got to get this out of the way first, guys. PGF Nation, got to apologize. I know uh, you guys were probably wondering why we didn't drop an episode last week. Probably wondering what happened. So we recorded an episode. I'm going to peel back the curtain here for a minute. So we had a special guest as well, by the way. And unfortunately, technology got in the way. I'm not going to go into all the tech details, but let's put it this way. We couldn't get the audio files to work. It was a nightmare. Really disappointing because honestly, guys, a lot of work goes into these episodes and we don't just hit record and wing it. You know, I'm sure you guys can probably tell by now, you guys who've been listening to the podcast, we really try hard to bring you guys a quality product every single week. And it was painful to not be able to drop the episode that we did record. So I got to apologize for you guys. I Hopefully most of you guys are subscribed. So you, you're going to be getting this notification on your phone that a new episode is here. Now, to let you guys know, the guest that we had last week that was supposed to be on last week's episode, we're hopefully going to have him back. It looks like there's a good chance we're going to be able to bring him back because we had some great conversations with him. Not going to spill who it is just yet, but hopefully we'll be able to do that and have a great episode coming up with him as well. I did drop a newsletter article last week. There was some content at least coming out for you guys. If you're not already subscribed to the free newsletter, go to pintglassfootball.com and sign up, guys. It's free. I drop exclusive content, and it goes directly to your inbox. Now, just for example here. Some of the articles I've written so far that are still available for you guys to read. The five best NFL off-seasons, ranking the top 10 college football coaches for 2023, college football breakout candidates, the NFL's top five most underrated players, lots of great exclusive content on the newsletter, guys. So go check it out. Once again, go sign up for free at pintglassfootball.com. Like you said, though, Alex, training camp is starting. It's unbelievable. 38 days until college football kicks off. Alex, we're getting so close, man. I cannot wait. Absolutely, because it's been very boring on these Twitter streets, these uh, DSP streets, these where whatever you, wherever you get your information from, it's been very boring and people are pulling at strings. Man, you are not kidding, but we've got some great stuff to jump into today, Alex. want to start with the biggest news that dropped recently. The Tennessee Titans are expected to sign wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins to a two-year deal that could be worth up to $15 million in the first year with incentives. Now, DeAndre Hopkins said on social media, quote, I always loved having haters and doubters, but I appreciate it even more now. Tighten up. Now, I'm not hating on Hopkins for wanting to get paid, but that's what this is, Alex. I mean, let's face it. I said when he became a free agent, we're going to find out what really drives this guy. And at this point, it's clear a ring or a mo- or money was going to be the driving narrative here. And clearly, it's the money. Now, 
I'm not knocking him for that. I'm never going to knock a guy who wants to get paid. But clearly that was the, the decision here because I'm sure that he had an opportunity where he could have signed for less money and played for a team like Kansas City or Buffalo, a team that is a legit contender. But to sign with the Titans, a team that, quite frankly, their Super Bowl window has closed. I mean, Derrick Henry is on the backside of his career. You have to wonder how much he has left. Tannehill is most likely playing the last season in Tennessee this year. I don't understand what the Titans are doing, not to get off subject here, but why go after a big free agent wide receiver, Alex, when your roster isn't built to win right now? So I'll answer both questions because this is something that I spoke to someone about and I kind of gave them the perspective. You know, I always like to put my CEO hat on. So the first thing is the hater comment. I don't think anybody was hating is hating on you. DeAndre Hopkins, we're heading on where you went because we want to finally see you in a winning situation. You've gone through a few years in Houston, even though you had a maybe a two, three year run there with Deshaun Watson, where you guys looked like something. And then you got moved to Arizona where we thought there may be something there, but then you got hurt. There were some other things where you didn't play and that kind of fell apart. We were hoping that you went to a Kansas City, went to a Buffalo, even maybe even perhaps gone to a New England where we could have finally seen you in prime time and put you in position where a lot of people have you in terms of your ability. That's what we're hating on. We're hating on where you chose to go. Now, the deal, you know, in terms of what you referred to, Brad, a two-year, $26 million contract that can pay him up to $32 million based on the incentives. Eh, okay. He's been a top three to five uh, paid wide receiver basically since he started getting deals after his rookie contract. So I don't like to count anybody's shekels, <laughs> so to speak. But hey, if you like it, I love it. If you like the mediocrity aspect of where you're going, then congrats. Now, CEO hat on. Rand Carthon did something when they moved on from John Robinson. The first thing that he did was he put Derrick Henry on the market. There were no takers. They wanted to get rid of Ryan Tannehill because he's on the last year of a deal. There were no takers and they held on hoping to see what was going to happen with Derrick Henry. So I think what we saw at Rand Carthon is he took a step back instead of just taking a lesser deal just to move Derrick Henry or do anything like that. I think we watched him be smart here for a year. For a year, he said, you know what? As opposed to selling everything and moving on, how about we just buy in for one year? We have Traylon Burks. Hopefully we bring in DeAndre Hopkins. We can help develop him. We bring in Will Levis. We'll see what he can do. We'll keep Ryan Tannehill for the one year that money comes off the books as well. And also something that a lot of people are not talking about. Mike Vrabel is only in his is in the last year of his contract. He has not gotten an extension and they have a new GM. We all, we all know what that spells. Usually new coach and new quarterback. So I think he said, you know what, for a year, Let's just go ahead and run it back. And then next year I can cut and trade whoever I want to with, or they're going to be free agents with no issue with the defense is intact. I can get a new coach. I can get a new quarterback. I can cut DeAndre Hopkins and I can either cut or, and or trade Derrick Henry without the heavy cap hit. When I looked at the cap numbers, everything's at a lower hit if they move next year. So I thought this was actually a smart move by Rand Carthon as opposed to forcing an issue. He just said, I'm going to buy in for the one year and let's see what happens. So I actually thought it was a smart move by Rand Carthon. Those are great points, Alex. I love the way you put that because when you look at it that way, it makes a whole lot of sense. This could actually be a really smart move as far as pivoting this franchise. We know this team is going to look different in the next couple seasons here. Maybe they've positioned themselves nicely the way you put it there with these deals to make that transition. The Jacksonville Jaguars have agreed to a three-year contract worth $41.25 million for Evan Ingram. Now, $24 million of it is going to be fully guaranteed. The deal is going to give Jacksonville some cap space with Ingram's cap hit set at $5 million for 2023. Jacksonville attempted to retain Ingram via the franchise tag, but they ultimately decided to re-sign him to a long-term deal. Now, last year, Ingram had his best season as a pro. He broke the tight end franchise records for both receptions and receiving yards. What are your thoughts on this deal, Alex? I think it's a great deal. We know that 
Trevor is coming up to the deal and everybody right now is trying to get the young quarterback on the rookie deal and load up everything around them to try and win a Super Bowl. Then have to pay that quarterback where it usually takes up about what about 30% of the cap, depending on how great the quarterback is. And Trevor looks like he's going to be one of those ones that when it's his time, which will be after Joe Burrow and after Herbert, his deal will be bigger than theirs. So he looks like he's going to be on the top end, probably the highest paid quarterback by the time it's time for him to get paid. So they're loading up now. They got Evan Ingram. They drafted uh, Britton Strange out of Penn State. So there's somebody behind Evan Ingram who actually has an issue in terms of staying healthy. We know what they have around them, adding Calvin Ridley, Tank Bigsby, Travis Entian, the coach and everything that's going on. Having Christian Kirk last year, they are loading up to try and make a run. And I can't wait to see because I believe what they'll do next year, they're going to go all in on defense and try to really maximize everything and have this three-year window, meaning this year, next year, and the year after, where they'll be able to make at least a full three-year run at the chip. And this is what you should do in this new NFL. When you finally have a guy, you surround him, you lock those guys up early so that your your guys are locked in with your young quarterback. So they all grow together. So now you have everything together. Evan Ingram being a key piece to this as well. Hopefully again, he stays healthy and watch this team flourish. I applaud Jacksonville for finally locking in and building around the quarterback that is a quarterback of the future. That's, I believe if we said maybe a pod or maybe two pods ago, this was a guy that was in line with the Elways, the Mannings, the Lux as a surefire QB coming out that you have to strike early. And I applaud what they're doing here, starting with Evan Ingram. Yeah, you're right. You've got to capitalize on that rookie contract when you find a young franchise quarterback. So I like what you said there because you're right. you got to build around them when you have the cap space to do it before they get that big extension. you got to take advantage of having that cap space to be able to sign players like this. I like it from that standpoint. The thing about Evan Ingram, and you hit on it, he was such an inconsistent player, and the injuries have been an issue as well. It makes me wonder if maybe this was a flash in the pan. Is this guy going to be worth it two or three years from now? We're going to look at this deal and say, man, why did they extend this guy? He really wasn't worthy of this. We only saw really one good year from him. I mean, this is a former first round pick for the Giants just a few years back, and he looked like a bust. He was so inconsistent. He had so many drops, especially in key situations, goal line situations, third down situations when you just had to have it. This guy was notorious for coming up light. But with with all that being said, I'm excited for Evan Ingram because this guy bounced back. Anytime you see a guy who underachieves, especially a first-round pick, a guy that people had high hopes for, for him to find success in Jacksonville, I think is a really cool story, Alex. And I think he can be a key piece to this offense that's moving in the right direction, like you touched on. I think he can be a key part of it. I'm definitely pulling for him. It'll be interesting to see, like I said, was this a one-hit wonder here? Or is he finally taking that next step into becoming the player that we thought he would be when he came out of college? The Tennessee Volunteers football program will be getting an $8 million fine because of a recruiting scandal involving former head coach Jeremy Pruitt. They're going to be forced to vacate all 11 wins from the 2019 and 2020 seasons, five years of probation, including the reduction of 28 scholarships. This is reported to be the largest fine ever in an NCAA infractions case. Now, this program has been down for years, but they had a big season last year going 11-2. and The money sounds like a big deal, and don't get me wrong, $8 million is a lot of money to just about anybody, but I think the key here, Alex, is the loss of scholarships. I actually think that's going to hurt the program the most going forward. Absolutely. Coming off of the year that they had, this is Tennessee finally on an upswing, getting everything coming back around from the era of the the Peyton Manning, probably the last time they were at a level like this where people were looking forward to it. It was probably the Peyton Manning years. They went and they also recruited the number two quarterback and Nicholas Lamalave coming in, losing those scholarships in a fluid college football atmosphere where players are transferring in and out without issue. This is the worst time to be losing scholarships is when you need them and you have a high pro and you have a high profile 
quarterback coming in where you could have maintained some level of consistency or maybe even gotten more recruits coming in, more wide receivers coming in because of the type of quarterback that you have. Now you set yourself back. Again, the money, you know, I'm sure Peyton Manning wouldn't mind writing that check. Ha ha ha. But the thing that it is, you're absolutely just, just focus on these scholarships. Now, what's going to happen here is it's going to be real interesting what NIL deals they can craft and how, and I'm winking, wink, wink, how they're going to craft these to get some of these players who they may want that because they are going and missing some scholarships, how they can craft these NIL deals to still lure these kids in because the NIL deal still is a lot of money, still is, you know, more than, oh, obviously over, let's say $50,000, a year for a scholarship for a scholarship player where you can maybe finagle that in there a little bit in somehow some way somehow you know who knows how this is going to work out but again with the, what they came off of last year what they looked like where this team where the school was trending the ability to go and get the number the number 2 quarterback of the class to come in all the way from California that shows a lot of what this new regime is doing and now to have this setback i can imagine they're going to have to get real crafty trying to maintain and keep not only get kids but keep the current ones that they have yeah, it's a good point, Alex. And like we've touched on here, this is a program that finally has some real momentum. This has to hurt a little bit if you're a Volunteers fan. And I don't think it's going to completely derail the program or what the coaching staff is doing there. But I do think it hurts because, quite frankly, it's the SEC, man. We know this is the most competitive conference in all of college football. There are elite players and elite programs everywhere you don't want to have any type of disadvantage going up against these programs, the Georgias of the world, the Alabamas, LSUs. You go down the line. When Tennessee finally has some momentum here, it feels like this definitely stings and kind of hurts that momentum a little bit. They didn't get a bull ban, which I think is big because I think a lot of people were kind of waiting to see if that was going to be part of the punishment. I think that certainly helps, but I do think the scholarships are a bigger deal than some people are making it out to be. Alex, one of the biggest off-season storylines that's really getting buzz all over the place, especially right now, is the running back position. I mean, it has really dominated the headlines, Alex. When you look at what's going on in the running back market, Kareem Hunt wasn't re-signed by the Browns after his contract expired. Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, and Dalvin Cook were released. Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs haven't signed their franchise tags because they want extensions. Austin Eckler requested a trade this offseason in search of a new deal. He's voiced his frustration on social media. Derrick Henry tweeted out recently. He said, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game. He went on to say, it just seems like it don't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. Now, Bengals running back Joe Mixon recently restructured his deal. He was originally due almost $12.8 million in 2023. Now he's going to earn a base salary of $5.5 million a year. Let's dive into this, Alex, because I I think this is a fascinating topic. Everyone's talking about this. I want to get your thoughts on the running back position, the market, and what we've seen this offseason. Okay. So let's deal with it from the player side. The player is right. Derrick Henry is absolutely correct, especially somebody like him who deserves to speak on this after what he put up those two years for two years, what he went through the year he got hurt, and then what he came back from and showed you again last year. He's absolutely right. The wear and tear and the amount of touches and what they contribute, especially someone like him contribute to the offense. He absolutely can make the statement to Nick Chubbs, Josh Jacobs, Saquon, so on and so forth. However, every single thing is a business and there's something called fair market value. And the fair market value has shown us that Miles Sanders, who was the catalyst for the running game for a lot of what the Eagles did, the Eagles let him walk after the year he had, after what he meant to that offense, to the fact that they now have DeAndre Swift and they're willing to go into the season with that as their quote unquote current RB1. Then you also have On the other side of that, you also have Isaiah Pacheco, who was a seventh round draft pick who I would not have known anything about unless our friend Quick had mentioned him. And then if not for a quick cut here, a quick cut there, he could have possibly possibly been in the running for MVP of that game because he would have scored two touchdowns. So there's 
two sides of the coin. You have Damian Pierce. That, that's a fifth round pick. You have a lot of these guys that are coming out that they're not spending a lot of high draft picks on, that they're finding in the lower rounds, that they're grouping together allow the Patriots to have a running game. It's not about having, it's no longer about having a running back. It's about, do you have a running game? Right. And that's what I believe GMs, presidents, whoever is looking at the numbers and looking at everything on what the value of the position is. Do I want to pay one guy or do I want to put Ramon J. Stevenson, Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead? Or do I want to put them together and can I do a lot of things with them together? Or am I Kyle Shanahan that I have a running style in a blocking scheme that all I can do is draft a bunch of guys that fit my style and I could just plug and play, which they've, which they've been able to do. Now they did go out and get a Christian McCaffrey, who's an extraordinary back. And we saw what he looked like in that offense. However, San Francisco had been to what three straight NFC championship games over the past, maybe five years from, from the Super Bowl till now missing the playoff once they've been at least three or four championship games in that time period. So it's really about how your team is set. If I'm Tennessee, I have to pay Derrick Henry. If I'm the Eagles, do I have to pay Miles Sanders? Does it work for me to pay Miles Sanders? You have to balance everything out on your balance sheet and you have to know what your worth is to that team. Dalvin Cook is a very capable back. I believe he had 1,100 yards rushing last year, plus eight touchdowns at like almost five yards a clip. He's still sitting on the street. I'll leave Zeke to the side because we've seen his production dwindle. But for somebody like Dalvin Cook, for someone also like Kareem Hunt, who's even on the lower end, you can get him for cheaper than both of those guys probably, is still on the street. It's just that the college is giving us a lot more than what's already out there to want to feel that you have to go and pay somebody a little bit more when I can get this guy in the fifth round or even the sixth round, or in some cases, maybe get us in the seventh round, Isaiah Pacheco, an undrafted free agent that I can bring in here that can do the damage that I need done because I just simply need a running game. And now you also see teams doubling up on the running back. Algier for Atlanta had a thousand yards rushing. You would think that they could just build on that. No, they went and got Bijan Robinson, the quintessential bell cow running back, who was the number one running back in the, in the, in the draft. We also saw Seattle last year hit on Kenneth Walker. What did they do? They did the same exact thing they did in the second round last year. They went and got Zach Charbonnet. They're doubling up. They're grouping everything together because it's a fragile position. It does. It's really a one contract position. You will get a guy like Nick Chubb and certain other people that you feel can get to the second contract, but most of them don't ever get to the end of the second contract. And now I have this money tied up. And this is the Zeke Elliott this is the Todd Gurley issue that people are deathly afraid of because that tanked everything that the Rams wanted to do, even though they won the Super Bowl. But look what they had to do to do it. They had to sacrifice the entire future to go and do it. And we see what the Cowboys had to deal with in terms of trying to keep people. They had to let Amari Cooper go. There were a couple of offensive linemen they had to let go because they were still paying Zeke and they couldn't cut him. So everybody's correct. And two things can be right. But there's going to have to be a happy medium here. And currently right now, and I know I'm running long, but currently right now we have Saquon Barkley still sitting there looking at trying to get a long-term deal, not wanting to sign the franchise tag. We also have Josh Jacobs in the same exact situation. So this could be a turning point because you do have two, uh, I don't want to say high profile, but highly productive backs. Well, actually, let's include Dalvin Cook in that and Kareem Hunt. That's four productive Three highly productive and one very good, very productive running back on the market right now that don't have contracts or in, or in contract stalemates with their current teams, and they shouldn't be, to Derrick Henry's point. However, those teams, those guys who the bean counters, who are probably not even football guys, they are simply bean counters, are looking at the numbers and trying to make it make sense for the entirety of the team not just the one player. So it's a very interesting conversation. Yeah, you're not kidding, Alex. It really is. And I think it's important to have a strong running game. I think it's important to build a team with a strong running game. But paying these guys from a business standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. I'm with you. I understand the frustration from these running backs. I understand they probably deserve more than they're being offered. And I get all that. But I also agree with everything you just said. There was a tweet by Matt Miller of ESPN that basically went viral and a bunch of NFL players and running backs have responded in anger to this tweet. But I completely agree with what Matt said here. He said on the tweet, been saying it for years. 
one, draft a running back, two, play the running back. If he's good, three, franchise tag the running back one time and then go back to one and draft a running back. He's not wrong. At all. And and here's the thing. Let's look at it this way because there's multiple factors here on why the running back position has lost value. The NFL continues to become more and more of a passing league. We've seen it in several years. That's the direction the game is going. It doesn't mean that running the ball isn't important. It's just not as important as it was in the early 2000s, the 90s, the 80s. We go back to the old school days. Running the ball was a much bigger part of the game, but it just doesn't have that same value as it used to. And a big reason why, as we know, is because the rule changes. The rule changes of recent years and the last 10 years or so have continued to protect quarterbacks. They protect wide receivers, avoiding and taking less big hits over the middle. That has increased their value, and it's decreased the running back value. You touched on it, Alex. Big contracts to guys like Zeke Elliott and Todd Gurley that backfired. Those types of contracts have made teams more hesitant to offer big extensions. The other part of this, too, is we continue, and you touched on this as well. I'm just going to reiterate it, but we continue to see quality running backs get drafted in the mid to late rounds year in and year out. Why pay big for these guys when you can draft a running back in the mid rounds, the late rounds, and still find quality players, even undrafted free agents that can make an impact for your team. It just doesn't make sense to draft these guys early. It doesn't make sense to pay them big because like you said, it's a short shelf life for these guys. And here's the other aspect of this that I don't think very many people are talking about. Quarterbacks in the modern NFL are running more than ever. And that also is hurting the running back value. Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, and Lamar Jackson all ran over a hundred times last year. If you also look at guys like Joe Burrow, Herbert, Kyler Murray, there's even more guys who are able to pick up yards on the ground. The quarterback position is more athletic now than it's ever been. We're seeing guys having an impact on the ground at a higher clip than we've ever seen, and that also hurts the value of the position. Also, I will say this about Joe Mixon. It was very smart of him to do that because they could just cut him and move and move on from him. So this puts him in position to perhaps maybe if they can work something out because that team, as they start to move forward, as I said, T. Higgins is going to get signed. Then you're going to get Joe Burrow to get signed. Between Joe Mixon and Taj Boyd, one of them is going to have to go. If not, maybe even both. So who knows where they're going. So Joe Mixon actually did something smart here by lowering his cap number, reshuffling the deck with his deal, and that perhaps can extend his time with this team and with this franchise as he's been there and been able to grow with this team. And now they're seeing the fruits of the labor. So there's a lot to be said for running backs that do work with the team. I understand that you're taking a pay cut and so on and so forth, but we know that these NFL streets are mean and they will put you on them in a second. Alex, it's a great point. And I agree with you completely because you're right. I think he was going to get cut. I think that was a serious concern. And I think whoever's representing Joe Mixon and his agent who was ever in his corner, I think gave him some really savvy advice. And I'm glad that he took it because yeah, you're right. It sucks taking a pay cut. Nobody wants to get paid less regardless of what you do for work, but you're in a good situation and you're producing for a Super Bowl contending team. Like you said, why hold out and and try to get paid more when you could end up on the quote unquote streets? Like you said, instead, you're still going to make over $5 million a year and play on a contender and extend your career on a good team. It makes all the sense in the world. I think he saw the current market and the way things are going and realized, look, I better restructure my deal. Otherwise, I might end up on this list with all these other guys looking for a job. Hey, PGF Nation, are you tired of the same old bland food at your tailgate parties? Well, let me tell you about my friends at the Tailgate Foodie, the seasoning and barbecue sauce company that specializes in elevating your tailgate and backyard cooking game. With their unique blend of spices and sauces, the Tailgate Foodie will take your taste buds on a flavor journey that you won't forget. Use code PINTGLASS. 
foodie for 15% off your first order at the tailgatefoodie.com. Zencaster is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. Zencaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. Coordinating all your guests to record in person is painful and tedious. Easily invite up to 11 participants per recording with one click. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code PGFP, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Hey there, PGF Nation. You know what's important when you're having a good time? Staying hydrated. And that's where Liquid IV comes in, the category-winning hydration brand that's fueling your well-being. With just one stick of Liquid IV, you get two times faster hydration than water alone, plus five essential vitamins to keep you feeling your best. And let's not forget about the convenience factor. The packaging is perfect for on the go, whether you're tailgating or just hanging out on the couch. But what really sets Liquid IV apart is the amazing flavors. Personally, I'm all about the Concord Grape and Lemon Lime. And with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, Liquid IV is made with premium ingredients to give you the hydration and nourishment you need. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code PGFP at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code PGFP at liquidiv.com. So next time you're cracking open a cold one and settling in for the big game, make sure you've got Liquid IV by your side. Trust me, your body will thank you. So, Alex, apparently there's 11 NFL teams with closing Super Bowl windows. This is according to an article by Sports Illustrated. It was on SI.com. I think this was really fascinating. I want to jump into this here, get your thoughts on some of these teams and what the 11 teams that they think the window is closing. So the teams are at 11, the Denver Broncos, and I'm going to read them up to number one. So at 11, the Denver Broncos. At 10, the Minnesota Vikings. At 9, the New Orleans Saints. At 8, the Dallas Cowboys. At 7, the Baltimore Ravens. At 6, the Miami Dolphins. At 5, the LA Chargers. At 4, the Buffalo Bills. At 3, the Philadelphia Eagles. At 2, the New York Jets. And at number 1, the San Francisco 49ers. Let's start here. Give me some of your initial thoughts about the teams on this list. What stands out to you? Okay. The first thing, San Francisco 49 should not be number one. Their defense is going to stay intact. That offense line is going to be able to stay intact the way that their quarterbacks are currently set up. And if you believe in Kyle Shanahan as a quote-unquote QB whisperer, they'll be able to keep that team intact. Now, health is something separate, but if we're just talking about the level of players, they'll be able to keep that defense intact. As we know, Nick Bosa is coming up for a deal. They'll be able to take care of him without issue. They'll be able, if they need to restructure or do anything with Christian McCaffrey, they'll be able to keep that correct. Same thing with Trent Williams and everybody on that team that's a key component to the team because the biggest chunk of where your money goes is your QB position. And since you don't have to put a lot of money in there right now, if, if you believe he can still work with Purdy and if you believe that he can help Sam Darnold or even if you believe in Trey Lance, they can trade Trey Lance, turn that into another piece, or they can maybe go and find a quote-unquote mid guy. I mean, I think if he had Derek Carr, that team would still look good and still be a playoff team. I think if he had a a couple of people that were on the market, this team would still be a good and very productive team with the level of talent they hand around them. Excuse me, let me also include Brandon Ayuk in that as well in terms of somebody who's going to need another deal. So I would not technically have them at number one. I'm going to skip two and I'm going to skip three and you know where I'm going. This is a team 
that, and Brad knows this, I said immediately after the season ended that the Buffalo Bills will not, not only is their Super Bowl window over, they're not even making the playoffs this year. This is the team that I say I feel we, we can have a discussion about between them and the Jets because of the, how the contract is constructed for Aaron Rodgers. But Buffalo is the team that I feel is done. We talked about it maybe a week or maybe two weeks ago that there's something brewing there with Stefan Diggs. And he's a key component to what they do. And if we get to the end of this season, we don't know what it is because it's not money. We don't know what it is because it's definitely not money because when Tyreek Hill got his deal to become the highest paid wide receiver, Buffalo immediately went and upped Stefan Diggs to be, I'm not sure if he was the highest paid, but he's still top two, top, top three. So it's not the money. So there is something definitely going on internally with the Bills and Stefan Diggs. So that's an issue. They never, ever, ever fixed their running game. That's an issue as well. So I don't know what is going on where we can look at Buffalo and look at San Francisco and see why they shouldn't be flipped or why Buffalo shouldn't be number one or at least number two, considering the Jets, simply because Von Miller coming back, they lost Tremont Edmonds. They have Tredavious White coming back from the injury again. Yes, that's cool. They lost the entire right side of the offensive line. They did bring in one person they drafted the tackle out of Florida as well, but that still is a rookie. And also with the knowing what we saw from Ken Dorsey last year, perhaps he can improve, but they still don't have a running game. They went and got Damian Harris from the Patriots, but Damian Harris is not does not stay healthy, and I'm not sure if he's the type of running back they need to have in Buffalo to succeed. And James Cook has a fumbling issue. So I went immediately to Buffalo because when I went to this list, I didn't care about anything else. I wanted to know where Buffalo was because that's my number one team with a bullet. Now we can discuss the rest, but I needed to get all of that out about Buffalo. Sorry, Scott, but yeah, Buffalo should be number one on this list. <laughs> I knew you had to get that off your chest, Alex. I want to, I, I want to comment on what you just said here, but I want to start with the Niners here too, because they're at the top of this list. I agree with you. That is the one team that really stands out because putting them at the top of this list, I don't think makes any sense. The Niners trading away valuable draft capital for Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey in, in recent years, I think is maybe the only case that I can think of where you could see them being on this list because they are going to have a lack of first and second round picks here coming up because of that. So I, I get that, I guess, from that standpoint. But look at this team. Brock Purdy looks like he could be the guy at quarterback for years to come. Now, we don't know about Trey Lance yet. But he's young, too. So maybe he pans out. Maybe he turns into some additional draft picks. But regardless, it's a young quarterback. Look at some of their best players, though. You mentioned some of them. But I'll just rattle off some of their key players on this team. George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Hufunga, Eric Armstead. All those guys I just mentioned are under the age of 30. Plus, Kyle Shanahan is only 43 years old. So you've got a young coach too. It's not a Bill Belichick situation where you're wondering, okay, how many years does he have left? I don't understand how they're number one on this list, Alex. I don't get it at all. I don't think this window is closed at all. I think this is a team that could contend for several years to come. Absolutely. I mean, and if we still, if we just go through this list some more, the, the even Philly at number three, I mean, if you just look at the blurb that they have there, talking about the veterans and everything like that, but this is the team that has Jordan Davis right behind Fletcher Cox ready to, to step in. Also, they drafted Jalen Carter out of Georgia, so you're going to have Jordan Davis, and we're gonna, you're going to have Jalen Carter there, so if Fletcher Cox decides to step away, he's there literally keeping him there because they could have cut him or moved on from him. They're keeping him there so that he can teach those guys the eagle way and how to be leaders. So they have a veteran in place. Brandon Graham is still there, there to help Nolan Smith. You, ha you have veterans in place that are going to help these guys mature quicker, get along quicker. So that defense, hey, from a, from a veteran standpoint, may take a step back, but from an ability standpoint, it's not. They still have their defensive backfield in place. They may need a middle linebacker, but we don't know about N'Kobe Dean yet, but they may, need, they may need a little middle linebacker. Now, where I will say there is there is a little bit of shakiness because if Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey decide to leave at the same time, I know they did draft a year ago, I believe they did draft a center, but if they decide to leave at the same time, I can see a hit there. The only issue where I see, and I mentioned it 
uh, previously is they don't have a number one running back because Miles Sanders, for everything that people talk about saying Saquon Barkley, people forget what Miles Sanders did at Penn State as well. And then when he came into the league, he just had an issue staying healthy 17 games. But when he was there, we saw what he was. Now, there is something that I would point at even just right now. But who's to say that they don't go and get Dalvin Cook? Or who's to say that Kenneth Gainwell doesn't have a breakout season, that they can continue this on? But they seem to be with all of their draft picks and having the Philadelphia Bulldogs over there. They should not be where they are. That's that's a little bit high for them. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I understand having the Eagles on the list. I think three might be a little high. I, I do think some key veterans that are getting towards the end of their careers. You mentioned there, Jason Kelsey, defensive end, Brandon Graham, defensive tackle, Fletcher Cox. Those are key veteran guys that probably aren't going to be playing that much longer. Those are going to be some big holes to fill. Now, they've done a nice job on paper drafting guys to replace those guys. Howie Roseman's done a really good job of keeping this roster fresh, keeping this roster deep. I think the other point, though, is they have a young quarterback, so that kind of naturally extends your Super Bowl window. But with that being said, him getting a big, him being Jalen Hurts, that is, getting a big contract extension, it does make it a little more difficult to keep that elite talent around him. And I think capitalizing on a Super Bowl sooner than later probably makes sense because I don't think they're going to have this level of roster in two to three years. It's going to be difficult to pull off, at least, unless they draft really, really well. But I'm with you. It, it might They might be a little too high on this list. I want to jump to the Bills, though, because I know you put on the boxing gloves there and, and beat up on them, and, and I get it, Alex. We've talked a lot about the Bills this offseason. I think rightfully so. It's a polarizing team. The Bills, to me, feel like they peaked with 13 seconds to go, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, <laughs> that team felt like their best shot at a ring. It really did to me. Looking back, it feels like that team was really when they peaked, and they've really kind of slid since then. Now, Josh Allen is good enough for them to be a contender as long as he is under center. I think he gives them a chance to be in the mix no matter what because he is a top-five quarterback. He's an elite talent. But Allen's going to be taking home $43 million a year now. So once again, similar to like what I said with Hertz, it's going to become tougher and tougher going forward to keep elite players around him. So therefore, I get it when people are talking about like, look, this team doesn't look as good as they did a couple years ago. The roster isn't going to be as good going forward or it's going to be difficult to keep it at this level. I think the Bills should be number one on this list, Alex. Right. Yeah. You know, well, I won't go back into the Bills. I'm going to leave that. (laughs) I'm going to leave that alone. I think I've gotten them enough. Um, but I will say, looking at 9, 10, 11, which are the Saints, Minnesota, and Denver, I can see, you know what, those are those are three very good teams. I mean, if we just run down the list real quick, we know New Orleans is an older team. They're hanging on. They've been well-managed. But this seems like this is, whether it's this year and next year, this seems that they have to make a move and make a move now because I believe Bryce Young and what the Panthers have and that defense already set, and all they really have to do is kind of focus on that offense. They're coming, and they're coming fast. Also, what Atlanta is doing, if you're telling me that they may be able to find a quarterback within the next year or so, if Ritter is not it, they seem to have some pieces that are in place to be explosive and do some things. When you look at Minnesota, we know that they are having huge issues on defense. They got rid of their running game. Alexander Madison is okay, but I really think this is really all centered around Kirk Cousins and what he can be. And to be honest with you, I think Kirk Cousins has been maxed out. And what I mean by that is it doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. I mean that they've gotten the best of Kirk Cousins. When he walks away from this game, he's not going to owe it anything. I believe he's maximized his talent. And I think they may believe in what the article is indicating that he may have taken this team as far as they can go. And he cannot, if he cannot get them over the hump or if they rather they do not have enough help around him to get them over the hump, they're going to start needing to be looking to look in another direction. And then the Denver Broncos, I think this is again, also centers around the quarterback position, Russell Wilson and bringing Sean Payton in can write the ship for what 
Russell Wilson is and what this team has defensively. We all know had they scored 19 points the first 10 games, they would have went nine, they would have gone nine and one. They only averaged 16 the first 10 games. If they can write the ship with the weapons that they have on or with the weapons that they have in Judy Patrick and uh, Sutton on offense, also Davis, uh, I'm sorry, I believe his name is Davis, the running back that they got from UNC in the backfield. And we already know what that defense is. This is the time to strike. Right now, you people may not see the chink in, in Kansas City's armor, but there is a little bit of chink in the armor that this is probably the first time they don't have a bona fide receiver on the team, whereas everything is kind of up in the air with Sky Moore and everybody else. So there may be an opportunity, not to say that they're going to fall off, but there may be an opportunity to overtake them. As long as Brandon Staley's coaching the Chargers, I'm never going to believe in them. And the Raiders 0-17, please God. So this, this is their opportunity maybe to strike now. So I can absolutely see why he has that window closing and closing fast. But I think they should definitely be higher. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and I've got some comments on some of these teams as well. I, I wanted to jump back to the New, the New York Jets at number two. The only reason that makes sense is Aaron Rodgers' age. Without him on this team, they aren't a real Super Bowl contender. So I get that. But when you look at this team, the rest of, or I should say the majority of their core players are pretty young. So I get it because of the quarterback position, but they seem a little high and some of these other teams I think need to be up higher on the list like we talked about here. Now, I got to jump to the Chargers because the Chargers have absolutely wasted Justin Herbert's rookie contract years with absolutely horrendous coaching. There's no way around it. We just talked about how you have to capitalize on the rookie deal when you have a young franchise quarterback, they have completely blown that opportunity. And now they're going to have to pay him and they're going to have to find a new coach because I know and you know and everybody who can watch football knows that Brandon Staley is not the guy. It's going to be really tough going forward for them, even with a top five quarterback, just because of that organizational failure. Now, the Saints Super Bowl window, I think that window slammed shut when Drew Brees retired and Sean Payton left. I'm in the story. I don't think they even, they don't even belong on this list. I don't think they have any shot at a Super Bowl at all. Derek Carr and Dennis Allen, I'm sorry, those guys are not getting you to a Super Bowl. So I don't even know why the Saints are on this list. The Vikings, now we've talked about them a little bit this offseason, quietly rebuilding here. I think they're going to have to move off Cousins next year. I think that's more than likely going to happen. I think you're right. This is a guy who's maximized his talent. We've seen his ceiling. It's good. You could even make a case very good, but it's not great. Now, I think in the modern NFL, you've got to be great at that position to be a real contender. Look, they've been a paper tiger. 13 wins last year, that was a mirage. And they've never been a real contender with Cousins. You know, the other three teams that are on the list, there's the Dolphins, there's the Ravens, and then there's also the Cowboys. I'll start with the Cowboys, Cowboys fans. You've actually, over the past maybe seven years, been managed very well in drafting now that Stephen Jones has his father's ear in leading the direction of the Cowboys. You have been pulling in talent from all over the place. The con contract structure may be a little wonky here and there, but the talent level that you're bringing in is still there. Dak is still young. You have Micah Parsons, that O-line. Tyler Smith last year was a great find. I don't, I, to your point about the Saints, they should be higher on this list than the Cowboys. I think that's, and believe it or not, that may be a little bit of Cowboys hate to have them at eight. Seven with the Ravens. I, it's hard for me to look at a quality organization like the Ravens because they don't rebuild, they only retool. And they're all, they never drop below seven wins. I think we talked about this before, Brad, in another space. Since the Baltimore Ravens have been in existence, Outside of their first year where they only had four wins, they've only had two other seasons where they had six. Other than that, they've always had seven or more wins since their entire existence. So I, I can't, with an organization like that that's rock solid, I cannot put them at number seven or maybe even not, maybe even on this list at that point. And then what you have with the Miami Dolphins, there is a lot of talent there. We had Mark Anthony, sorry, not Mark Anthony. I call that coach Mark Anthony because that's what he reminds me of. The Miami coach had, you know, 
He's shown that when he Mike has McDaniel. Favorite, thank you, Mike McDaniel. Leave all of that in, please. And leave me saying leave all that in, please, because that's hysterical. But Mike <laughs> McDaniel, because Mike McDaniel has shown that if you give him a capable quarterback and two is no world beater, but if you get somebody in there, it looks like he can work some things. And with the talent that they have, if you tell him you can bring in a quarterback at a lower contract and they can keep that talent around, Vic Fangio being there. I definitely want to have Miami at six. And then you spoke on the you spoke on the charges, so I'll leave that alone. But yeah, Miami, the Ravens, and the Dallas Cowboys, I think is unfair to where they're they are above New Orleans and Minnesota. I think they should be a little bit higher on this list if we're looking at it, if we if we believe they have it in order. The uh San Francisco 49ers is the team with the with the door that slams shut. This list to and from my perspective needs to be rearranged and maybe like you said, take the Saints off of the list and maybe find some other teams to put on. But I would think even still a lot of these teams should be pushed to the back end because I don't think perhaps it wasn't looked at holistically from a contract and negotiation standpoint because that's really what i'm looking at what they can still maintain to keep the team competitive yeah i'll wrap with this alex the dallas cowboys are a team that i think deserves to be on this list certainly i don't necessarily hate where they're ranked on this list i think they're similar to the vikings in the sense that with dak at quarterback he's in that same neighborhood as Kirk cousins i think he's really good i'm not sure he's great i don't i don't think he's a guy that can carry a team to a Super Bowl, even with a great roster around him, which he's had. He's had several really good rosters, and they seem to always come up light. With the NFC being about as wide open as it's been in a long time, this really might be their opportunity. If they're ever going to make some noise, surprise some people, and make a real run at it, this might be the year. The Ravens, I'm glad you brought them up. I don't know if they deserve to be on this list either. The only reason I could see them even being on this list is because Lamar Jackson got paid. Maybe they're looking at it like the next couple of years here now, similar to some of the other quarterbacks that I've mentioned. Once you pay your quarterback, it does become a little more difficult to build a contender around them. But with that being said, they're the Baltimore Ravens. They're so rock solid. They never rebuild. They're always a competitive team that's going to be in the mix. So I really don't like them on this list either, Alex. But I do love this episode and i love being back on the mic talking with you guys pgf nation like i said sorry about last week but we're back we're going to try to keep it going strong week in and week out like we always have been bringing you guys the best nfl and college football content that we can before we get out of here i want to give a shout out to our friends at the tailgate foodie be sure to check them out at the tailgatefoodie.com once again i'm brad fowler he's alex higdon This is Pint Glass Football, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.